0: Even though liberal humanism sanctifies humans, it doesn't deny the existence of God and is in fact founded on monotheist beliefs. The the liberal belief in the free and sacred nature of each individual is a direct legacy of the traditional Christian belief in free and eternal individual souls without recourse to eternal souls and the creator god it becomes embarrassingly difficult for liberals to explain that what is so special about individual sapiens another important sect is socialist humanism Socialists believe that humanity is collective rather than individualistic. They hold as sacred not the inner voice of each individual, but the species Homo sapiens as a whole. Whereas liberal humanism seeks as much freedom as possible for individual humans, socialist humanism seeks equality between all humans according to socialists inequality is the worst blasphemy against the sanctity of humanity because it privileges peripheral qualities of humans over their universal essence for example when the rich are privileged over the poor It means that we value money more than the universal essence of all humans, which is the same for rich and poor alike. Like liberal humanism, socialist humanism is built on monotheist foundations. The idea that all humans are equal is a revamped version of the monotheistic conviction that all souls are equal before God. The only humanist sect that has actually broken loose from traditional monotheism is evolutionary humanism, whose most famous representatives are the Nazis. What distinguished the Nazis from other humanist sects was a different definition of humanity, one deeply influenced by the theory of evolution. In contrast to other humanists, the Nazis believed that humankind is not something universal and eternal but rather a mutable species that can evolve or degenerate. Man can evolve into Superman or degenerate into a subhuman. The main ambition of the Nazis was to protect humankind from degeneration. And encourage its progressive evolution this is why the Nazis said that the Aryan race the most advanced form of humanity had to be protected and fostered while degenerate kinds of homo sapiens like Jews Roma homosexuals and the mentally ill had to be quarantined and even exterminated the Nazis explained that Homo sapiens itself appeared when one superior population of the ancient humans evolved, whereas inferior populations such as the Neanderthals became extinct. These different populations were at first no more than different races, but developed independently along their own evolutionary paths. This might well happen again. According to the Nazis, homo sapiens had already divided into several distinct races, each with its own unique qualities. One of these races, the Aryan race, had the finest qualities, rationalism, beauty, integrity, diligence. The Aryan race, therefore, had the potential to turn man into superman. Other other races, such as Jews and Blacks, were today's Neanderthals, possessing inferior qualities. If allowed to breed, and in particular to intermarry with Aryans, they would adulterate all human populations and doom Homo sapiens to extinction. Biologists have since debunked Nazi racial theory, in particular, genetic research conducted after 1945 has demonstrated that the differences between the various human lineages are far smaller than the Nazis population or rather than the Nazis postulated. But these conclusions are relatively new. Given the state of scientific knowledge in nineteen thirty-three, Nazi beliefs were hardly outside the pale. The existence of different human races, the superiority of the white race, and the need to protect and cultivate this superior race were widely held beliefs among most Western elites. Scholars in the most prestigious Western universities, using the orthodox scientific methods of the day, published studies that allegedly proved that members of the white race were more intelligent, more ethical, and more skilled than Africans or Indians. Politicians in Washington, London, and Canberra took it for granted that it was their job to prevent the adulteration and degeneration of the white race by, for example, restricting immigration from China or even Italy to Aryan countries such as the USA and Australia These positions did not change simply because new scientific research was published Sociological and political developments were far more powerful engines of change In this sense, Hitler dug not just his own grave but that of racism in general When he launched World War II, he compelled his enemies to make clear distinctions between us and them. Afterwards, precisely because Nazi ideology was so racist, racism became discredited in the West. But the change took time. White supremacy remained a mainstream ideology in American politics, at least until the 1960s. The White Australia Police, which restricted immigration of non-white people to Australia, remained in force until 1973. Aboriginal Australians did not receive equal political rights until the 1960s, and most were prevented from voting in elections because they were deemed unfit to function as citizens. In uh, figure 30, a Nazi propaganda poster showing on the right a racially pure Aryan and on the left a crossbreed. Nazi admiration for the human body is evident as is their fear that the lower races might pollute humanity and cause its degeneration. Going back, the Nazis did not loathe humanity they fought liberal humanism, human rights and communism precisely because they admired humanity, according to their notions of humanity, and believed in the great potential of the human species. But following the logic of Darwinian evolution, they argued that natural selection must be allowed to weed out unfit individuals and leave only the fittest to survive and reproduce. By succoring the weak, liberalism and communism not only allowed unfit individuals to survive, they actually gave them the opportunity to reproduce, thereby undermining natural selection. In such a world, the fittest humans would inevitably drown in a sea of unfit degenerates. Humankind would become less and less fit with each passing generation, which could lead to its extinction. A 1942 German biology textbook explains in the chapter The Laws of Nature and Mankind that the supreme law of nature is that all beings are locked In a remorseless struggle for survival. After describing how plants struggle for territory, how beetles struggle to find mates, and so forth, the textbook concludes that the battle for existence is hard and unforgiving, but is the only way to maintain life. This struggle eliminates everything that is unfit for life and selects everything that is able to survive. These law natural laws are incontrovertible. living creatures demonstrate them by their very survival. they are unforgiving. Those who resist them will be wiped out. Biology not only tells us about animals and plants but also shows us the laws we must follow in our lives and steals our wills to, survive, to live and fight according to these laws. The meaning of life is struggle. Woe to him who sins against these laws. Then follows a quotation from Mein Kampf The person who attempts to fight the iron logic of nature and thereby fights the principles, he must think for his life as a human being. To fight against nature is to bring about one's own destruction. At the dawn of the 3rd millennium, the future of evolutionary humanism is unclear. For 60 years after the end of the war against Hitler, it was taboo to to link humanism with evolution and to advocate using biological methods to upgrade Homo sapiens. But today, such projects are back in vogue. No one speaks about exterminating lower races or inferior people, but many contemplate using our increasing knowledge of human biology to create superhumans. At the same time, a huge gulf is opening between the tenets of liberal humanism and the latest findings of the life sciences, a gulf we cannot ignore much longer. Our liberal political and judicial systems are founded on the belief that every individual has a sacred inner nature, indivisible and immutable, which gives meaning to the world and which is the source of all ethical and political authority. This is a reincarnation of the traditional Christian belief in a free and eternal soul that resides within each individual. Yet, over the last 200 years, the life sciences have thoroughly undermined this belief. Scientists studying the inner workings of the human organism have found no soul there. They increasingly argue that human behavior is determined by hormones, genes, and synapses, rather than by free will. The same forces that determine the behavior of chimpanzees, wolves, and ants. Our judicial and political systems largely try to sweep such inconvenient discoveries under the carpet. But in all frankness, how long can we maintain the wall separating the department of biology from the departments of law and political science?